Hello, everybody. This is Bill Cameron from The Drive. Podcasts of The Drive are presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors, now hiring for great-paying, skilled trade positions. Call 334-209-6355 to learn more. Thanks for listening. Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome in. It is the Thursday edition of The Drive. Hope everybody doing well. Another nice day. It has been a beautiful week. Uh, now, don't 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 expect the same thing tomorrow, maybe. But hey, it's been a gorgeous week. Hope everybody doing well today. We've got uh, we, we we had a fairly uh, fairly full studio yesterday. Uh, Drew and I are back, but a, a new cast of characters joining us here in the control room today is is Dan is back from Arkansas. Uh, how, how you doing, big guy? I'm doing all right. It's great to be back, Bill. I think you might need still need to hook me up over there. No, I, the, I, I, are we good? Every, everything's been everything's Wonderful. been taken care of. We're not allowed to talk about it. So uh, no, it's well, it's great to be it's it's great to be back here in uh, in 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 the studio, and I I missed you guys. Let's see if I can. Yeah. Talk uh, well, no, you can still talk. Yeah, but I'm also trying to fix this thing, so um, we're not supposed to talk about it. Go, Bill. Well, no, I, well, I, I can't talk about the trip you had <laughs> to Arkansas. While I back. get my headphones fixed. Okay. Well, here, just uh, uh, well, Dan is back, and uh, and and Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer also joining me, Hello. Uh, joining us here in the in the studio. How you doing? I'm all right. How are y'all? Uh, I'm doing better than Dan at the moment, but other than that, um, yeah, doing 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 pretty well, and uh, and uh, really enjoying. This is I think this is the first time Dan and I have been in the studio together. Yeah, since it's, it's been a while. Shoot, football season. I mean, um, Dan and I do a podcast twice a week, so twice right. a week. So we, I see Dan all the time, but actually being in here in studio together. One of you, one or both of yeah. you, have Just been on the road, road on Thursdays. Uh, for just like next just week, about be, yeah. Next week I'll be on the road, so yeah, because Auburn, uh, Auburn plays at Tennessee next week. Yes, that's mm-hmm. right. Yeah, um, got both games, both games on the road. Um, Saturday at, at Athens, and then of course uh, midweek next week yep. against Tennessee. Uh, as the as the SEC coming down to the last five games, everybody has the same number of games remaining. Yep, and uh, uh, you've got. Four teams that you know that have four losses or fewer: Auburn and South mm-hmm. Carolina with four, Tennessee three, and Alabama two. I, I know I, I mentioned this morning. I was on with uh, with Ben on uh, Auburn Opelika this morning, and uh, Auburn fans may not have liked it, but the thing that Auburn really, really wants to make sure that they do is finish in the top four. So you get the first round by in the SEC tournament. And last night was definitely helpful for Auburn with both Florida and Kentucky who had tiebreakers over Auburn going down. Yeah. I, uh, I wrote about this today for, for, our, for our mailbag. Um, really interesting to note that Auburn in the, in the era of, in the era of having an automatic bid to like, if you're in the top four in the league, you get, you're into the quarterfinals automatically. Right. You only got to win three. 
that's been a thing that's gone on since Arkansas and South Carolina joined the league in 92 or for the I think it was the 92 the 93 tournament um Auburn has had a double bye or has been automatically in the, the final eight less than 30 percent of the time right um and the other interesting thing here is if you look since Texas A&M Missouri came in the league since it's it's been a pure double bye um there have only been two teams to even play in the title game, to even play in the title game, that weren't in the top four. And that was Auburn when they won it uh, in the Final Four season. And it was the A&M team two years ago that knocked Auburn right. out of there. Everything else you have to – like so, if, yeah, you so wanna, it, if you want to maximize your chances, you need to get a top four seed. It's a great kind of accomplishment. To, shows you that you've had a really quality year, and it puts yourself in the best position in Nashville. And, uh, and Auburn's in a really good spot because, like you said, Bill, you would have loved if you're an Auburn fan – Florida would have been able to hang on, win that game. You know, Alabama's sure. Alabama's not in the lead, you know, the solo lead anymore in the SEC race. But with Alabama, with uh, with Florida losing and with Kentucky losing at that last second against LSU uh, last night, Auburn is in a pretty good spot with the favorable schedule compared to everybody else down the stretch to lock in that top four seed. And and um, I think we said coming into the year, I think a lot of us said coming into the year, looking where Auburn was projected and say, hey, this is a team that get into the top four. And, and get into the SEC tournament with a double bye, that would be a really good year. And Auburn is – they got to finish the job, and they got to do it without Jalen Williams for at least one game. Uh, but, you know, they're in a really, really good spot right now to accomplish that. And, and obviously that starts Saturday against against Georgia. It would be a huge step to get in, in that direction because you are one game in front of both Kentucky and – and Florida, and um, they have much tougher finishes to the year than you do. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the trip to Knoxville. Other than that, I mean, Auburn's got uh, two games against Georgia at Athens Saturday, and they close out the regular season against the Bulldogs. And then uh, Mississippi State, a Mississippi State team that is team. playing better. Yeah, I are. mean, they are one of – I look, there, there are eight teams in the SEC that have at least 18 wins mm-hmm. and no more than eight losses, and State is one of those. Yeah, uh, Bruce Pearl was talking about it today um, at, the, at the press conference. Uh, Auburn – I mean, sorry, the SEC is currently projected to get a record nine teams into the, into the NCAA tournament field this year. And he mentioned that Georgia – is one of the teams that there isn't in the nine right now that could play their way into it. Obviously, anybody could play their way into it if they get hot in Nashville. Felt, but felt like a tournament spot was on the. I mean, we got there's more there's time to move the needle and adjust sure. your resume. Last night's Egg Bowl game, yeah, felt like yeah. I think a lot of the project and, and I think I've seen at least one projection that has Ole Miss in the playing game after losing last night to Mississippi State. Things are getting tougher and tougher for them. I think that if if Ole Miss had won that game on the road, Mississippi State's resume would have been damaged, and maybe they would have been on the wrong side of the bubble. But the I I think the downside to the Alabama victory last night is that a win by Florida would have narrowed the – conference title oh yeah i mean if you as when you're when you're when you're looking for the regular season title uh that that was not good for auburn but i mean but bama's got you know what but i would say bama's got four more losable they do they do but i I keep but i keep hearing people telling me that they're going to lose that that have told me they were going to have four or five losses by this time they're a team that can lose when i mean they came very very close last night but uh but Auburn's road is, is tougher because they don't have Jalen Williams. I mean, if they had, if you had, if you had Jalen, and I'd be surprised if we see him before the Georgia game. If then, if you had Jalen Williams and if you had won the Kentucky game, yes. I think those are both. Yeah. those are both. Really yeah, then, then you're big. definitely you're, you. You feel like you've got a real shot 
at the regular season title. Now the ice is thin. Oh, right? you think about it. as, as far it's as the cracked. Now, not as a. I saw an odd projection. I think it was Jerry Palm who said the only the only team he considers a lock in the SEC right now is Tennessee, which is crazy to me because I feel like both. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like if everyone lost out, and it's like, well, or if, think, if you lost if you lost out, it's like I, I, I don't well, think Alabama or Auburn would would lose. I mean, the tournament committee might look at them and and wonder what's going on if they entered. Yeah, they might they they might drop down quite a few seeds. I can't I, I don't see them being out. I would I would say and may, you know I don't have the access to all the same stuff Jerry Palm does, but I would say Alabama and Auburn are both locks at the moment for the end of the tournament. It would be really, really hard for Auburn because their metrics are so good. Yeah, I mean, if they're Auburn lost out there 20 and 12 and they're still going to be a, probably so, a top 30. How about this? Um, I would go so far as to say if either of those teams played their way out of the NCAA tournament right now, it would be a disaster oh, you're for, right. the coach, oh, sure, sure. for the coach in question, whoever, even even with all the the goodwill Bruce Pearl has. Like, if the if the season were to take that sort of downturn. So, so I would say right now, Tennessee, Auburn, Alabama are your and and Kentucky's like like you said with the metrics that like Auburn. A lot of those look at Kentucky's schedule and who they've lost to and who they played. Now there's there are some yeah. there are some questionable losses in there too. I would think Kentucky is also pretty safe yeah. for the for the NCAA tournament as well. Maybe not a lock, but Bra- it would be it would be a real turn of events for them not to make bracket it. matrix. Which if you don't know is uh, right now it's 106 different bracket projections. They put them all together and kind of make a composite of like, hey, this is what this is what the people who know what they're talking about with brackets are are, are seeing right now. Uh, According to their last refresh, Tennessee's the top two seed. Alabama's the top three seed. Auburn's the top four seed. Um, South Carolina and Florida are both seven seeds. Uh, Mississippi State and Texas A&M are both ten seeds. And then they have uh, Ole Miss getting into the final uh, – the, the, the one of the last four in and, and playing in Dayton. I feel, I feel pretty sure, and of course it will depend on the bracket itself, I feel pretty sure I'm going to take whoever's playing South Carolina in the first round for the upset if they play their way into like a six. It just, just feels like they're going to be a – We'll see. You know, matchups, you know, decide a lot of this, but they could be a, a team that finds themselves maybe in over their heads a little bit if they're seated as as a as a six or a seven. Yeah, it has tournament. them as a seven, and you're looking at a scenario where they would play like a Boise State or a Nevada. <laughs> like you would be, you'd be in kind of a Indiana State, of, who's tumbling right now, is probably in yeah, that ten eleven this week. Yeah. Uh, Indiana State and Indiana State most likely going to be at twelve because they they're probably not going to reach escape velocity like uh, like FAU did last year because they have fallen off. So you're probably looking at them as probably the top at, you know automatic bid in like of the of the that twelve through sixteen range. So I saw a projection that had the Samford Bulldogs as a twelve in the uh, yes. NCAA tournament as well. I you're would, looking I, at you're looking at Indiana State Samford. Um, there's uh, this has been a really good uh, South Florida now a- Samford an App State team that uh, that that uh, that Auburn lost to uh, and then uh, our friend Will Wade down at McNeese State's got a really good got a really good uh, team this year in the mid majors. I, I would say same question for App State: Are Samford and App State teams that still have to win their conference tournaments to get into the NCAA tournament? Or are they probably? Are they not yeah, probably. I, I would say More if they get bumped in the tournament, it's going to make it very tough. I mean, it'd be and great they're for running the into yeah. that, and they're probably running into that at South Florida too. South Florida, in case you know, in the AAC is running roughshod over the AAC right now after a slow start to the year. They took to, too many bad losses in the non-conference to start the year that they probably need to need to win the league tournament, especially in a league that's got. You know, a team like FAU that'll, that'll that that could get hot at any moment. Dayton is a team that I've heard is also in sort of a I Dayton's guess, a, Dayton's been a great basketball team this and, year. And Dayton is a team that would be 
it, it would be a one bid league if Dayton won the tournament. Mm-hmm. But if someone like Richmond or you know someone snuck up in yep. there and Richmond's uh, you know playing well of late too, like that could turn them into a, a two big. I guess St. Mary's yeah, loyal of Chicago is an, is another good team out of the A10 this year. But yeah, that that would definitely be it. And then right now, right now St. Mary's would probably be in the same boat, right? Where they're they're a tournament team no matter what. They're a tournament team no matter what. Gonzaga's currently a final last four in. And, you know, that most years the, the West Coast Conference has been a two or a three bid league. Ole um, Miss Gonzaga as the possible play in oh, game man. for Justin Ferguson. You know, I mean, that's you might, book, you might book the flight. You might be uh, in Dayton for, uh, for for that one. But I mean, you, you've got to. It, it is interesting with the West Coast Conference this year. No more BYU. They're now in the Big 12. It's back to being that 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 two two team league for the most part, and St. Mary's has been a lot better than Gonzaga has been this year, uh, which is kind of crazy to say. But Gonzaga did themselves a ton of favors by beating Kentucky and Rupp mm-hmm. the way they did. Like that, that can end up being the thing that gets them into the tournament when it's all said and done. Yeah, they can't move the. It was like, I think the the Jerry Palm description of tonight's game said Gonzaga still probably can't make a real impact on their resume until they play St. Mary's again. Unless they lose, they to can one only of these hurt teams. themselves. Yeah, yeah, if they lose to one of these teams, because there are a couple teams and in that I, league that are that are you know unsightly in the net rankings. And go back and go back to Auburn. Outside of the Tennessee game, I feel the same way about Auburn at this point. You can probably only hurt yourself. Like if you beat Mississippi State at home, that's a good win. It's not a great win. It's not a quad one win. And if you looked at like even before the Kentucky loss on Saturday, you look at the bracket projection or what the what the NCAA released. They're doing what they've done the last several years since since net came into beat. Net's great, but they use net more as a tool of who's quad one, two, three, four, and so on more than look at it as so like Auburn, top ten team in net, or you know, top seven or eight team in net most of the year. You would think, okay, that maybe if that's a two seed, you know, uh that's a two seed probably. No, because they don't have enough quad one wins and they're not gonna have any they're not gonna have enough to catch up. Uh, at this point and this was the case two weeks ago yeah but you know it is one of those things for Auburn where it's like Tennessee is the big fish to get but I think you're looking at a scenario for Auburn you're most likely if 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 things hold according to plan right now how it's projected you're probably looking at Auburn as as one of the top four seeds could get into the five line but honestly the four line and the five line are pretty much the same um, it's the same type of teams you're going to be playing in the first yeah, round and you and play, you play, you play the other, other. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I would say even without Jalen Williams it was supposed suppose he misses the rest of the regular season, which is a longer timetable than I think some people are are speculating. I would I would be surprised. I'll say this: I would be surprised if Jalen Williams misses the entire rest of the regular yeah, season. Yeah, I, I think it does feel like he's got a good shot to come back by the end. I, of the yeah, year. I, th- I think you want to be able to ease him back in there. If he could just the make end it of back the regular for that season, Georgia, yeah, if he could make it back for that Georgia game. I think that senior would be huge. day, yeah, be Georgia huge. game, play a few minutes. Feel fine, but even get, if that happens, for the tournament. even if that happens, I would still look at the rest of the regular season for Auburn and say, at Tennessee is the only game where you're a solid yes. underdog, yes. even without Jalen Williams. And if Jalen Williams is back before Auburn goes to Knoxville, that game while Auburn is still the underdog in Knoxville, that game becomes. And again, I'm not trying to sell the hope, but I think Auburn, and that's and this is why Alabama winning last night. Like if if. A Florida win last night in Tuscaloosa with the games Alabama has coming up would throw that regular season into – I mean, you, you could talk yourself into Auburn-Tennessee being a – and it still probably will be a, – a very big game to decide who finishes with the best record or which teams finish with the best record in the SEC in this regular season. Right now I would say Bama is the favorite, but Tennessee's Ten- schedule... Tennessee, I, th- I think a lot of people are still thinking, you know, Alabama's got Tennessee to play, too. Yes, and... I mean, yes. so I think a lot of people feel Tennessee has the advantage 
even though they're a game back right now. And I'm not sure. I believe Bama has road games in Florida, Oxford. They're, they're in Lexington this weekend. Yeah, they play. They've got to go. Yeah, go gotta ahead. Got to go to Ole Miss and got to go to Florida. That's right. I mean, are they are they going three and zero at Kentucky, Ole Miss, and Florida between if now and the end? No, I think bad gum. I I think I think they'll win at least one, maybe two. Okay. I think Ole Miss right now is the team that is. I mean, they're leaking they're, oil. They're hanging on, man. They're they're, they're, they're trying to hang on. Leaking oil, and that's you know yeah. it's still still dangerous. I mean, they the, are. the combination oh, sure. of players. I mean, hey, and, everybody in the league's dangerous. We saw that yep. with with LSU beating Kentucky uh, last night, and then obviously Missouri. Coming close to beating Tennessee and Missouri hadn't won a game all year nope. in SEC play. Like that just shows you top to bottom the strength of this league. Yep, uh, we're just underway. Love for you to join in. It's uh, Bill, Dan, Justin, Drew at the controls here on the Thursday edition of the Drive. How can I, you do so? I cannot remember my last Thursday show because of the yeah, because of the schedule. Like this is the one yeah. Wednesday game we've played in a long time. Uh, we do we still talk to Dylan? Yes. Okay, we're doing that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully we're doing that at uh, five thirty. Yeah, looking, looking this forward afternoon. To that. Yeah, you can join us. Give us a call on the drive hotline, sponsored by Skybar. 334-321-1390. You can also text the show, 334-564-1840, on the Drive text box, presented by our friends at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. And they also sponsor the podcast, available however you listen to podcasts. Come on in and join us here on the Thursday Drive. Born and raised in Lee County, Samantha Copeland. AU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the Thursday Drive. Bill, Dan, Justin Ferguson, got Drew at the controls. Love for you to join in. Now, I, I didn't get a chance to make it over to Bruce today. Was uh, was uh, was able to catch Butch Thompson this morning before the Auburn baseball team hit the road for Jacksonville, and we'll we'll talk some about that as we move on here uh, through the show as well, because Auburn's getting getting to play uh, a couple of other ranked teams. Auburn number fourteen, they will take on Iowa and Virginia as well as Wichita State, and both Iowa and Virginia are ranked. Iowa will uh, send one of the top pitching prospects in all of college baseball to the mound against the Tigers tomorrow afternoon at 5 o'clock. Um, Brady Brecht. Yeah, he throws gas. Yeah, he, uh, he, he averages he averages uh, around 99 of 100 per fastball. Is that why that name is familiar? Is, is, uh, yeah, is, he, play, he played safety, I think, yeah, at, at Iowa for okay. a minute. Uh-huh. He switched. I think he's full-time baseball now because people well, think he's we, – when, when you can bring it, when you can bring it with triple digits regularly. Yeah. That's like a People movie. think he's like a top-10 pick. Yeah, he, he is. Was, he, was he a dual – I mean, this isn't a guy who started playing baseball in college, I yeah. imagine. I imagine – now that's no. a, now that's a movie. Yeah, they just found out about it when he threw the football back, you know, over the building or something. Yeah, quarter, like quarter, quarterback doesn't like his spot on the depth chart and gets out on the mound and throws ninety five or something. But no, no this is a uh, yeah, this is a, this is a you know one of the one of the top pitching prospects in college baseball. Yeah. that Auburn is going to get to see. I guess you, you talk about it like it's a like how, how exciting. Guess what, guys? Hey, Butch, Butch seemed pretty excited. I mean, because the last couple of games they've seen guys that uh, throw off speed stuff a good bit. And uh, we'll see. I mean, um, and probably some guys who throw fastballs that kind of look like off speed stuff. <laughs> well, that that is true. But I mean, uh, this I, t- the team's four and zero, and and they're they're excited about going down there. And I think the big thing again is I'm not a college baseball expert by any means, but I, I think the big thing is is if you face a guy like this Iowa kid, 
it's going to get you ready for when you get an SEC play. Oh, yeah. There are so many aces on, you know, in, 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 in SEC baseball that would – like this, this would be the type of Friday night matchups you get. Uh, maybe not to the caliber of this kid, but very close. And I think about, oh, there are a few guys that'll, that'll uh, take the mound on Friday nights that'll that'll be very Auburn, similar. Uh, you know, like last year Auburn faced Skeens yep. here, and like you know, yeah, I mean there there is literally no better prep to, to no, get no for, kidding. as a hitter to, than face you know face somebody who throws that hard that consistently throughout a game. Yeah, his first time, his first uh, first outing of the year, uh, four innings, struck out eleven. He did walk six, but, I mean, 11 Ks in four innings. Saw his numbers from a year ago in 104 innings. He struck out 160 and gave up 51 hits in his first year of, of back pitching. So, so yeah, that is uh, quite the challenge. Chase Alsop will take the mound for the Tigers uh, tomorrow, and that'll be able to be heard on Wings 94.3, where you've got Tiger Talk coming up tonight at 6. But, uh, yeah, I, di- I didn't get to to make it to to Bruce this afternoon. had uh, – had some folks at the house today, so did did he really did re, uh, did he really go into um, how you know the, the the plan to replace Jalen here for the uh, foreseeable future? Yeah, no no specifics on the plan. Um, you know, and I honestly, this is I'm not giving any hidden insight here. I think Auburn is going to approach the games however many they may be without Jalen Williams as kind of a sum of everything. Yeah, like I mean, you've got completely different styles and matchups that you're going to be facing here. We did talk to Chaney Johnson today. I think Chaney's going to be a guy that you're going to see a lot of, obviously, um, you know, moving forward for Auburn. But I would anticipate, and again, I'm not giving anything away here, I would anticipate Auburn to mix and match their lineups. You, you, you'll, you, there might be times where you see both centers on the floor. There yep. might be times where you see um, three guards on the floor and move a wing out to out to power forward and play small ball. Like I think they're going to be able to mix and match, and you never want a guy to go down as as good as Jalen is. Um, but if Auburn can manage these games without him, you know, play well, still win, and kind of learn some different formulas out there it, it could end that up could help him in yeah it could help him in the long run i can't imagine bruce would be comfortable increasing janai broom's minutes by that much in the absence of, J- of jalen williams Is how that much eight minutes maybe more he yeah. could probably I, I would think janai could be a guy i think janai could be a guy who can get handle 30 get, get him around 30 what's yeah. the averaging in conference play with like 25 you, or 26 you maybe okay. like i would less. i would think i would think 26 to 29 or 30 would I be, think thir- I, I think I think he could give you thirty out of four, and there there have been several times this year where he's played like pretty much the whole second half, and mm-hmm. and you know I think part of the advantage that Auburn has is is that they are deeper than anybody you're going to find in major college basketball, and um, you know they're about they just got a they just got a fresh wind, you know them and so, South Carolina are the only two teams that hadn't gone through this off, beat. right, and um, so now you're talking about a team that's deeper than everybody else getting another wind back in them even without Jalen Williams I think that that could be a really big advantage so if you have to lean on you know Jani Broom more I think uh, I think Chad Baker Mazar is a guy you could see get obviously more minutes as well to to make up for the fact that hey your 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 high scoring four is out so you need your high scoring three and your high scoring five to both kind of take that step up with them in both minutes and production Chris and Chad who I, I understand are pretty close off the court you know have bonded over over Chad's first year here they, they don't play 
together all that often. They have not played a minute together that's in SEC fasc- play. That is fascinating that there has not been. But a they play minute- the same position. No, I understand. Right. I understand. But I mean, now they may now. They may. Oh, I I think that that absolutely. I, I, I would think I would think Justin with the matchup Saturday, uh, I w- I wouldn't think this would this would be a game where you need Janai thirty minutes. This one may be more where you where you go with the uh, more guards. You could, yeah. Georgia more guard-oriented for mm-hmm. sure. Um, they've got good guard play. So the Georgia team does not rebound the ball particularly well. So if Auburn wants to do strength versus weakness, um, I think they could do it. Yeah. And, and again, Chaney Johnson, uh, I wrote about it earlier this week at the Observer. If you look at Chaney Johnson's numbers this year, and you say, hey, Chaney Johnson's going to have to play in place of Jalen Williams. Defensively and rebounding-wise, He's got it. He's ready to go. Uh, it's the offense. He's actually a better rebounder yeah, than Jalen. He, be- he is a better rebounder. And defensively, Auburn is at some of its best this season when he's on the floor. It's offense. But, I mean, you know, you're, you're talking about a guy who just got into a system, you know, came up from D2 ball compared to a dude who's in his fifth year play- playing here. So, it's like there's a big reason for that difference on offense. But if you can have a guy that's going to give you the same amount on defense and in rebounding, I think that could be very helpful. And I look at this game against – Georgia, a Georgia team that does not have great rebounding numbers this year, that could be something really big. And especially with Jalen Williams out of this game, you talk about defense and rebounding traveling. That is Bruce Pearl's calling card. And by the way, I, t- I told Bruce this, and he was surprised to hear it today. Auburn is now number one in the country in effective field goal percentage defense. You could make the argument they are the best defense in the country right now. And it's like, you know, that is what's going to key this team oh, yeah. moving forward, especially with Jalen Williams out. And, uh, uh, it, it, yeah, makes I, what, it makes what Kentucky was able to do Saturday all the more impressive when you think well, about Auburn at home as the number one defense. Auburn held them to seventy. Auburn yeah, held, held them to almost twenty under what what they normally still average. Held you're, you're right, yeah. and, and that's uh, and that, that's what Bruce was saying. That, well. The defense played well in that yeah. game. It was when, the offense. when you when you talk about the combinations and the absence of Jalen Williams, I wonder if I wonder if Cheney and Chris become the two guys who maybe are going to play more but don't play together. Right? You think about Chad as the three or, or or possibly the four. But it seems, it seems like a, you know, I, I guess when you talk about Cheney Johnson playing more, could they adjust the other four players on the floor when Cheney is out there to maximize the offense, knowing, okay, maybe it's not the same as having Jalen out there. you got to find whoever is the best four offensively to put around Cheney. You have to make sure that when Cheney's out there, you gotta you got to have those four guys out there as well. I wonder if it impacts... Who else is out there, especially it, it, it at, could. at guard? One thing I, I thought was interesting, I saw that Bruce commented on Cheney being out there every day. Went over When I went over to uh, uh, to uh, catch Butch Thompson this morning, walked in with Jason uh, Caldwell at around 8.40, Cheney's in there shooting and shooting and yep. shooting. And when we left, he was still – Shooting. So Cheney was in there working on his offense. Cheney and, was and, shooting when we left after the press conference, like before wow. before practice. I mean, so I, he's put he's putting in the time now. I, I, and yeah. He's probably preparing for a game plan where teams are going to say, "Yeah, I guess we'll leave we'll leave Cheney yeah, Johnson open and yeah. make him make him uh, punish us." For I, it. I, I would imagine this Georgia team is going to try to double Janai and do as much. Sure. Like, this could this should be a game where Janai Broom has has a good night, but. George is going to, I think George is going to try to overcompensate. And the big thing there is we saw that happen against South Carolina, obviously Auburn at home. We saw that against South Carolina. They tried to overcompensate. Auburn just hit shots from everywhere. They're probably not going to do that on the road because they haven't done it no, on the road they this haven't year. Done but, it yet. but that needs to be something they get outside of the second half at Ole Miss. And I guess the second half at Arkansas. 
those are the only two times where you've seen Auburn just really go nuts shooting the ball away from home. But it could be it could be the difference in in a in a win or a very scary situation in Athens because this is a this is Georgia's team that they had lost six straight. They won last night over over Vandy. Bruce said today they're continuing to be locked in. This is a team that 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 works really really hard. They've got some dudes, as he said. It was a more promising start to conference play for Georgia. You know, it's a little bit they've they've taken a bit of a downturn. Still dangerous at home, especially in Auburn's first game without Jalen Williams. Uh, briefly, I know we're up, we're way late, but but I got to ask. Somebody asked me about the possibility of Scott jumping in and getting any minutes with Jalen Williams hurt. Uh, it still seems like he's a project who's. More, more of a five than a four. Okay. Yes. And, 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 yeah. If Jalen's working some at the four, maybe. Or if if Janai's, if Janai, Janai, I mean, my bad. Janai, Janai's working up. Don't it know. Still, what I'm still seems like that. Yeah. You, my understanding have, is that's you not. have Chris Moore that can play the four. You have yeah. Cheney who can play the four. I, you can do. You can move a you know twin tower line I think, up out I, there. I, I think. It, I think Darren maybe you know if you get two or three minutes, that's. Yeah, I, Just, I think it would probably be more if, like, again, with the thing with Auburn is they play 10 or 11 deep, that one-off, I mean, that still makes them a deep you know, team. Yeah, I mean, but the thing is, it, it, it would be a the, situation where you might need him if you get in foul trouble foul or something like that. Foul trouble is going to be the big thing for if, him, the, if those three minutes are the difference between Janai playing 30 and 33, yeah. it, it, could be, it could be significant. Yeah. All right, we'll get to our bottom-of-the-hour break. Again, come on in and join us, 334-321-1390. That is the Drive Hotline presented by Skybar as we continue with the Thursday Drive. And Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive here on this Thursday afternoon. Bill and Dan, Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer, also with us here on this uh this edition of the show. We'd love for you to join in. Anything you want to talk about sports-wise. I mean, we can obviously talk, and we have talked a good bit of basketball. Spring football gets started in five days, Dan. A Tuesday, huge, the yeah. first start of spring. And and what what is a, a big offseason for Hugh Freeze? This is a big spring practice for players who, I mean, you have a couple of positions where, well, not, not all that many, uh, but you have a couple of positions where you have returning starters or production where I don't think it's necessarily imperative for a guy to, I mean, I mean, you'd, you'd love to see continued development, but the question isn't can he play at this no, level? No, running or is back he... is one. No, I mean, I'm, 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 you know, Auburn's fine at running back. Sounds like Auburn likes their situation at inside linebacker. Tight end, they're fine. Tight end, they yeah. have. Yeah, we're bringing back Rivaldo and the, and the uh-huh. newly engaged. By total coincidence, I saw Luke Deal and Brandon Frazier downtown this past weekend. Uh, in the morning, as I was getting ready to leave for the the, the Troy game, I had to stop mm-hmm. somewhere uh, downtown, and then and then drove drove down to Troy. And I saw I, I saw the two of them downtown. I noticed they were both sort of dressed up. It turns out they were dressed up because Brandon Frazier was proposing uh. Uh, to uh, to his uh, to his longtime girlfriend, and uh, and Luke as a, as a friend and teammate was was in the house for uh, for, for the occasion to, to to celebrate. So yeah, congratulations to uh, to, to Auburn tight end uh, Brandon Frazier. But but yeah, the, uh, uh, the the that position looks like one where Auburn. Feels pretty good. Secondary, you have a couple of secondary. You got you got a lot of guys that uh, uh, are are going to be fighting for starting jobs. You don't have you've got you've got some guys that have played. But I mean, you, between you don't you don't have an awful lot of starts between Keontae, Champ, Anthony, and Kay and Lee. But Keontae is the guy is the only one who is 
a starter the entire way. Right. You have you, you know, have three guys missed a couple of games injury. But, but you remember how we felt about. I mean that that that's the way college football used to be at a lot of positions. Oh right? yeah. You have uh, you have someone who uh, was. Uh, was waiting in the wings a little bit. I'm not now. Champ Anthony and and JD Rim and Kay and Lee haven't just been sitting and watching. They've been getting no. They've been playing. playing they've they've well. been yeah. That rotating in and playing a lot of special teams. So, so it's a it's as good a situation as you can have without returning starters and and guys who. Oh yeah, when you lose four guys from back there that that started for multiple years. Right and. You know, I think we've we've talked about the defensive line and quarterback as the two spots where I mean, there's so much focus on receiver, especially with Auburn uh, having the the new faces from the recruiting class brought in, as well as a couple of the. I'm so intrigued by Sam Jackson. Sam Jackson, yeah, because absolutely. of how you remember how electric he looked running at running yes. a quarterback. I mean, it's, it's yes. when people talk about moving a quarterback with explosive running ability to receiver because he looked so good with the ball. Usually you can say, hey, you know, the, the guy's got to be totally bought in. It can't be a reluctant thing. It, it can implode, but often it works. And I'm, I want to see what Sam Jackson yeah, I as, do too. as someone with chemistry with Peyton. Well, Ford. he has played receiver in the past. It's been a few years, but he at least has been a receiver for Peyton yes. in high school with, with Peyton Thorne as a, as a high school teammate. So I think that's a uh, that could be a shrewd pickup. I'm I'm hoping that it works out. And then you've got superstars underneath. Uh, you've got you've got incoming recruiting superstars that could be uh, you know could could be part of the uh, you know part big part of the story as well. But I, I guess speaking of Peyton Thorne, quarterback's a position. Oh, that absolutely, be. it is absolutely. I mean, uh, Peyton's got to he's got to perform better than he did in the bowl game. Hank Brown has shown that hey. Uh, don't forget about him, and and Walker White is Auburn's most highly touted quarterback signee since Bo Nix. I would still maybe I'm maybe I'm looking at this uh, too. And then there's Holden Gurner too. I, I mean, was don't say, forget him. I would maybe I'm looking at this with two. Uh, to, uh, I'm not. I don't have an open enough mind here, Bill. I would think that the starter game one, 2024 for Auburn. <laughs> is either going to – I would be surprised, not stunned, I'd be surprised if one of Holden Gurner, Hank Brown, or Walker White unseated Peyton Thorne as the starter. I would be surprised if that was the outcome. To me, it's Peyton Thorne I still, shows – Yeah, I still think it's Peyton's job to lose. And if Peyton Thorne doesn't look like – not just the best quarterback on the team, but even if he looks like the best quarterback, if he doesn't look like someone who they feel like can win them games in 2024, maybe they go hunting when the portal reopens. Yeah, in, maybe so. Even that, though we saw, you know, again how how it's it's uh, so much so beneficial to have somebody be able to go through spring, but. If there's somebody better, you got to go after him. Oh, I don't think plan A right now for Auburn is go at a quarterback in the April transfer portal window and start that quarterback this fall. I do not think that is no. plan A. No could, it, could it be plan B or plan C? Well, it depends if, on how spring goes. That's exactly, Absolutely. That's exactly right. And, and the A-Day game is, and I think it's imperative that you play your spring game before that portal window opens, right? Like, because you want the mm -hmm. you want the full oh yeah, well, Auburn, Auburn plays that spring game three plus weeks before the portal opens. No, I believe isn't the isn't it April fifteenth to April thirtieth? Is it the, maybe? I, I thought I think it's maybe about, they moved it up to the. 15th I think it's about nine days. I think okay, Auburn, still I think before. I think there's about nine days between. Please uh, ver verify that one for yeah, me. Yeah, you you're, you're probably right. But, but I think there I think there's about eight or nine days between the A day game and the opening of the spring portal window. 
for college football players. And so I could be mixing up the portal with the basketball. No, the basketball portal window is the, it comes is the tournament. After, yeah. It's, it's oh, man, by the way, Portal Monday is going to be crazy in college basketball, Bill. I mean, there is, there is even for teams that make the tournament, right? Like you have, and, and for everyone who doesn't, and all the head coaches who could get uh, who, who could get axed, it sounds like things are, uh, things are trending against Jerry Stackhouse getting another season right now in, uh, in, in Nashville. So I would be, I'd be surprised there. And then you have... Ohio State and maybe Michigan, who could be making mm-hmm. big splashes. So I mean, we'll, uh, that that's something to look out for as we get closer to uh, that uh, that that college uh, that college basketball portal window. But yeah, we'll see if Auburn needs to go uh, looking for a new starter and who's available in the spring. I think the I think Plan A is Peyton Thorne excels in the spring and shows that he's clearly oh, that that would be your, the the best solution the, the you know the simplest where you wouldn't have to be looking to add and then adjust and I think part of that's because even if Holden or Hank or Walker looks like an excellent option in the spring isn't there the concern that could be fool's gold like if they look ex- I mean now I mean and maybe not maybe maybe one of those guys is a future college football superstar and it's happening very soon but if they looked great in the spring, I think there would be concern as ooh, someone who has played this, you know, someone this inexperienced as a starter is, you know, that that's that's when the, that's when coaches start getting nervous about their defense, right? Is oh yeah, it, it's, it's, if someone, light them up, then yeah. So so yeah, I think I think they're hoping for well, but here's something. All right, we were we were talking about this yesterday uh, with Don. Uh, just the the offense. There's so much. There's so much more that everyone already knows about themselves on the coaches. I mean, because Derek Nix obviously knows what Hugh Freeze wants. Kent Austin knows what Hugh Freeze wants. And the other coaches were here. Defensively, you've got a new defensive coordinator. You've got a new defensive line coach. Now, he was here, but you've got a new coordinator, and you have Charles Kelly as the co-defensive coordinator. I know they're working on this right now, but they're – it, it's of course this is a huge if and it, the if is quarterback but I think there are fewer questions on offense than there are right now on defense as to you know who's going to fill in where I so, think that's so, so that could lead to um, you know the offense having more than just a moment or two in the spring and I do wonder if even if the defensive line even if the defensive line on an individual by individual level looks like they have guys who can contribute. I wonder if the plan right now, I wonder if plan a right now is they still think they might need to add someone even for depth. I think they, on the defensive I, I, line. I, every, every time we've talked to anybody, that's the first thing they've said. Defensive line, defensive line, depth. The question is, line, do, yeah, depth. the question is, do you need to go? Is it urgent to find someone yeah. who can take over as the starter? You hope not because everybody in the country is going to be after anyone who's good enough to start on an SEC defensive front. Any any defensive lineman who makes it. Now, now the question is, and I think this is what a lot of group of five coaches are looking for too, could there be enough of a demand at certain positions that guys who weren't going to go into the portal at you know at, at certain schools say, you know what? Yes. I, I'm I'm gonna go yeah. I'm gonna go test the waters after all after spring. I'm happy, but I'm multi- happy, but opportunity opportunity calls multiple sec and big 10 programs need Mm -hmm. someone in my position i'm very happy here but i might also be very happy i might be even happier somewhere else there right yeah i might not be yeah 
Yeah, that's that's I, that's not unlikely. Yeah, at all. so I so I'm not I'm wondering I'm wondering if that spring portal is going to be a a bit of a feeding frenzy and busier than and, and I'll tell you what else could add to it. Think about the coaching changes since the 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 previous portal since the initial portal either yes. closed or guys had made their plans right. for the spring semester already. Now you have a new coach at Alabama, Michigan. Washington, different, different, uh, you know, some, mm-hmm. some, some big, uh, uh, some big coordinator changes. Oh, at, a lot of at different places. Changes. So, I mean, I think it's, uh, yeah, I think that's going to be uh, something that we, you know, we're we're, we're going to be talking about familiar names, and and I think we could be talking about quite a few names when that spring portal opens up after uh, a couple of days after after the A Day game. Hey, we need to get to our final break of hour number one. Love for you to join in. As we continue here with the Thursday Drive. Conservative Justice 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in. Final segment of our number one here on the Thursday Drive. Again, a reminder uh, we should have Dylan Cardwell joining us at the bottom of hour number two for our Tiger Takes segment as the Tigers get ready to head to Athens for it's it's pretty odd. Here we are near the end of February and Auburn about to play the first of two games against Georgia uh, in the final five games of the regular season. Uh, but uh, Auburn getting that much needed. Has, has this college basketball season flown by? For, it, for it really has. I mean, I, I, it really has. I vividly recall moments from Troy's opener. Like, I, I think about, like, oh, yeah, we were playing Ball State a couple of weeks ago. Oh, yeah, the Georgia State conference opener was at, you know, that was New Year's Eve. Yeah, was like, I that's mean, a couple of months ago almost it, it's, Yeah, it's a couple yeah. of I mean, the conference – I mean, I'm going to be in Pensacola in two weeks. I mean, we've got, we've got the uh, – the Sun Belt. I mean, Troy. If Troy stays in the top four, they're playing second Friday of what March? Friday's a March first, right? Yes. Okay. The week after that would be Troy's first game in the tournament, in, and, and potentially, you know, for, for a lot of teams down in Pensacola, gonna be the, the the end of their season. Oh yeah. And it's just uh, yeah, just a couple of uh, just a couple of weeks. We had edit edit a mobile uh, this weekend, by the way, Bill. Any uh, anything. Anything you you gotta take a little bit of time to do if you're uh, if, if you're in the, I mean I'm in the I'm I'm South Alabama adjacent so it's not gonna be it, it's not gonna be a hop skip and a jump downtown uh, but let me uh, yeah what what do you what do you, uh, and Justin you're in on this one too I'm headed I'm headed to Mobile for uh for, for South Alabama on mm-hmm. Saturday uh, and anything anything you feel like people have to to see or do if they're uh, if if they're quickly in the in, in Mobile or the Mobile area my thing with Mobile is that I don't spend a ton of time like hanging out in Mobile but. I enjoy eating in Mobile. A oh ton. yeah, absolutely. It is, it is a very, I think, underrated place for mm-hmm. for for food down there. So definitely have restaurant recommendations. It's you know, I mean, if if if, if you've never seen the Battleship before, that's cool. Yeah, that's, 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 that's the first thing that comes to mind is you know as you're on the way in. Yeah. Uh, the the, ba- the Battleship is cool. And, and you're that close to some some decent beaches if you can yep. get out and around. That's the thing. But yeah, my big thing with Mobile, food. like when we go to when we go to Senior Bowl every year, or wherever I'm down in Mobile, I'm like, all right, well, I know I at least gonna get 
at least one or two really really good meals, and I always mm-hmm. do when I'm down there, especially just. Head on down the causeway. There's a few places. There's a few places there that'll that'll knock your socks off. But yeah, that's my that's my thing about Mobile for sure. There was this great little Italian restaurant that I think uh, died off during COVID, or the or the owners uh, sold it off. But it was it was there for for, for years and years uh, that I I would I would pop into. And and like like you guys said, there's also some some uh, some, some quality regional cuisine. Oh yes, when you, when you get in the in, in the Mobile area, might might find might find a way to put some seafood on the uh, on, on the menu in these next couple of days. Yeah, it sounds good. So uh, um, we're we're just about out of time here in, in hour number one. Want to get and let's see, let's see if we can uh, catch a call. We've got about a minute and a half. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. That is the drive hotline presented by Skybar. Who have we got? James. James is up. Hey, James. Hey guys. I just got off work, so I was calling in to see how y'all been doing here lately. So. Oh, I'm I'm doing great. I mean, it was, it's crazy to think. I was in Jonesboro, Arkansas last night, and uh, you know, I've since you know taken the you know, took took the all night bus ride, and I'm I'm, I'm here to uh, to do the show, but stay, been staying busy. But it's uh no, I missed uh, missed missed hearing from you. Good to uh, good, good to talk. I, I'll 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 pop in. I'll pop in one of these days and see you. Yeah, I've been busy here lately. Anyways, I did get to go to the baseball game Tuesday night. I really like what I saw from the team. I know everybody's like, that's just UAB, but um, something I really was proud of and of the team is they're more patient at the plate. And I really I preached that the last couple of years we need to be going to full count on pitches. Don't just go out there and start whacking away like you're whacking weeds out there. Oh yeah, Thir- thirteen or fourteen so. walks the other night. I, I, I also like and uh um asked Butch about that uh this a little today. I like the speed team speed they've got throughout the lineup. So um and they can they got a few guys that can that can swing it pretty well. We've got some audio that we'll we'll get to uh, if we have an opportunity. Appreciate the call, James. We need to get to our top of the hour break. Halfway done here on the Thursday drive. Come on in and join us. Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama. This is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. And online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome into hour number two of The Thursday Drive. Hope everybody doing well. We've got a uh, pretty full studio today. It's Bill, Dan, Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer. And, yeah, we were saying, I, I know you guys see each other all the time, but uh, uh, it's, it's been a while since we've had uh, Dan and Justin in the studio on a Thursday at the same time. Yeah, I, I jokingly asked in the first hour if we were if we still talked with Dylan. Of course, I know that we do. Uh, we, we have uh, Dylan Cardwell with Tiger Takes. Every Thursday, although unfortunately, because of the uh, the, the the Auburn men's basketball schedule changing with the bye week, and right. uh, uh, they they had a late practice. Yeah, they, and he, he gave him a couple of days off. I believe they had Sunday and Tuesday off. Um, so uh, you know, he wanted to try to get everybody as as fresh as possible. Plus, you're you're you know still trying to uh, see exactly how Jalen Williams' spot is going to be filled and getting ready 
for back-to-back road games starting with a trip to Athens Saturday. We will try to connect with Dylan Cardwell at some point tomorrow. Maybe we're going to have Jacob uh, tape an interview. We'll see what his schedule is like. If not, Tiger Takes may have a bye week. Uh, this week as well, it might not not might not just be Auburn. We've, uh, yeah, t- we've we've been able to at least get the uh, you know get, get the, uh, the the morning after <laughs> interviews. Of That's Tiger right. Takes yeah, excellent. So uh, so so yeah, and, and we appreciate Dylan uh, uh, being able to uh, to talk with us as much as he has uh, this year. Even though I've I've been missing a lot of those shows with my uh, with my Troy schedule, but no, it's a uh, it, this is this is a, a a chance to bounce back. Uh, Georgia, like you said, this is a, a Georgia team that. Started SEC play with some fight, but mm. they are uh, they are uh, struggling. Oh, well, do we have breaking news? Uh, yeah, breaking news. That's the breaking news. Hmm. Uh, nothing from... to do with Auburn. Okay, lay it on me. But something that I'm sure Auburn fans would be aware of and know. Uh, the SEC just suspended uh, Mo Wag from uh, from Alabama for what he did last. Yeah, night that was uh, there. There were some elbows flying, and that one uh, looked. It, it didn't look just incidental. You can't even so do that. He will, last not, night. he will not play Saturday against Kentucky. Yeah, yeah you, that you, that could be a big loss for them. I mean, uh, and they were already out without Wright Sell yep. uh, yesterday. So uh, yeah, I mean, and and he was the guy that you know they had the video of him in the game in Tuscaloosa trying to stop on Janai. Janai. So like, uh-huh. uh, yeah, I guess you don't get the benefit of the doubt. You don't get the benefit of the doubt when you do what he did you know, on, on camera, but like, especially if you, if you've well, got a little I, bit I of a history. Well, I think, I mean, th- it's probably not the first film the SEC office has seen of uh, Wagyu, mm-hmm. I guess. No, and, and when things, and when, and when things like that are happening with a player, um, you know, often, often, not every time, but often there tends to be a pattern where a player can get away with stuff like that, and they do it over and over mm-hmm. again until Grayson Allen. Yeah, Grayson Allen's a great Grayson example. Allen. I think is the ultimate example. Yeah, of that. Grayson Allen's a great example of that. So, so I would say that, that hopefully, uh, in in the case of uh, of of uh, the uh, the the Alabama player in question, he's he's gonna you know maybe we'll see a change uh, moving forward. But that yeah, that elbow against four, you can't even do that in the UFC. Oh, no, you no, can't, no, you can't do that in a UFC fight. Nope, it's illegal. 12, a twelve to six elbow. Is now now that's because there's a story behind that. That's because when they were originally making the rules for the for mixed martial arts in the '90s, they were like they they were convinced from the videos of karate guys breaking boards and breaking concrete that with an elbow like that you can you can crack someone's head or you could kill someone. But but a slight twist of you know an eleven to an an eleven to five elbow is legal. In, mm-hmm. in you and you think about all, the, but you can kick someone as hard as you can, you know, and, and yeah. different things. So, but anyway, no, but but yes, it, it is in fact illegal in UFC to this day to to elbow somebody a downed opponent in the head with a twelve to six. If you picture a clock, a twelve to six motion, which is almost exactly what happened in the uh, Alabama. Oh, it sure game. did. Like that's it. It, it would be that. If, was, that wasn't the only elbow that was thrown. If you did last that, to, night, yeah. If you did that I'm, to somebody, I mean, it was it was it was pretty uh, pretty physical. They would get disqualified in, a, in an octagon for that. Yeah. Can I, I, just because you mentioned UFC in the '90s, I just I need to bring up my favorite UFC fact of all time is that the twelfth UFC pay per view back when they were still doing the one night tournaments. Yeah, because that's that's what for for some of you may not know UFC used to be a they would get like one of every type of fighting and like put them in a tournament and it'd be a one night tournament. The twelfth ever UFC pay per view and the twelfth ever. This about where where it was where it was located. It was in the Dothan Civic Center. Yeah. It is one of the funniest yeah. like tidbits. Like when you see how they sell out arenas all over the world and they built their own island in the Saudi Arabia for billions of dollars to have like and it's just like 
their humble beginnings. <laughs> they were once at the Dothan Civic Center. I just I love bringing that every how every far time. they've come. No, there, exactly. Th- there so will crazy. be and and it's there's already been some myth making about this documentaries and books and things. But the the growth of the UFC from the circus that politicians were actively trying to outlaw to this respected sports brand that you see constantly on ESPN is. Yeah, I mean that that's that's a, an an incredible transition over over 25 30 years and and it's tough I mean tough to find a sports brand that's changed like that in in the last two or three decades to go from the absolute fringes of mm-hmm. I mean this thing this thing wasn't allowed on cable like it it was only you could you could have pay-per-views and you could do them if the pay-per-view started after a certain time uh you know like like uh you know programming exclusively for adults and now it's now it's now it's UFC, uh, the, the a household name and a, and a brand like this. So yeah, it's it's remarkable how how things change like that. As speaking and and um, as I segue as I segue away from from that. Um, By the way, my my favorite UFC tidbit early on is the guy who uh, who fought with uh, his his, uh, and I think he was relatively self trained, but it was his his fighting style was American ninjutsu. Yes, that was that was what his marching because I mean, they one, list everybody's special. One of their first list. one of their first events, they put a sumo wrestler out there and just was like, "All right, bud, let's see what you yeah. can do with a boxer." And it's just like, "What? Why did y'all do <laughs> like?" To that point, I could see why lawmakers are like, "Yeah, we probably shouldn't do this. Like, this is probably not a great thing. So we need to have some sort of code." But yeah, Bill, I would love to see how you segue out of this one. This no, I was going to say, well, here, I mean, speaking of rules, oh, here we no, go. No, I was going to say, speaking of rules, I, I love the uh, the, uh, the 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 breaking news from the NCAA today about uh, what what schools can do to prospects on visits. You saw that, didn't you? Yeah, <laughs> one of my all time favorite tidbits that I did not know uh, or I didn't think about again until today is that. Um, apparently, uh, the tradition of, of, uh, of giving kids cookies or the giant cookie cakes, cookie cakes, yeah, that be, because the NCA laws prohibited actual cakes. And so yes. the workaround was, was cookie cookies. cakes that would be there in their, you know, in oh, their totally, room on yeah. the bed usually. And, so and now the NCAA today has said no more. Where are they on? No more decorated hotel rooms cannot be decorated and cookie cakes and snacks must be handed out in the lobby. I, okay, I saw, so, I saw, so no no I saw, ice no ice cream cakes, presumably. No, I guess not. No, no, All snacks okay. must be handed out in the lobby. You can't decorate their rooms or anything. Now. You can't do you know you can't do the photo shoots either. I mean, they somebody, can't even define what a booster is and we're gonna yeah. talk about what a snack is. Yes. Yeah. So I saw somebody who was talking about how they're trying to kind of streamline it like how the NFL does like free agency. Like their visits, and uh-huh. like like you know, there are a lot of codes that you have to kind of follow. All business kind of well, stuff. The NCAA has like been so good at you know keeping up on things and keeping everything in line, haven't they? I mean, that's great. So here we go. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna start having lists of what you uh, you know more of what you can and can't do on on official visits. Uh, it's it's uh, it it is crazy. Um, something uh, when 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 you said the little O thing a while ago, I thought maybe there was news because I saw yesterday. We mentioned it yesterday and saw again a couple of more reports today that it looks like Dell McGee is a very serious candidate for the Georgia State job. And so. I think you know a lot of folks, especially if if his, if his, if Dell McGee's path to being the play-calling offensive coordinator at Georgia was blocked for the foreseeable future. 
the next logical yeah, move. Yeah, go be a head coach. To, to me, the next logical move school. would be take a group of five head yeah. coaching job. And, and if, be successful. Because, because coupled with his success as a position coach at Georgia, I think that Del McGee, if he wins, it's not like somebody who's never been in a major conference level mm-hmm. in, any, in, in any form or fashion before. I think if Del McGee were to win at Georgia State, he would be an attractive head coaching candidate in the ACC and the SEC, maybe even in the in, in the like in, in the Big Twelve, depending on. I mean, his, his specialty seems more southeastern, uh, which would right. which would say SEC ACC more than other places. But winning is winning, and if he wins enough. Uh, at the, you know, at Dan Lanning's resume was largely southeastern, and and where where's he where's he coaching again? Not not in the southeast. So in the in the Big Ten. Yeah, it's, it's right in, the, in in traditional big yeah the traditional Big Ten country up in Eugene, Oregon. So uh, yeah. Uh, so so yeah, I think that it's a if 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 indeed Del McGee is getting the uh, Georgia State job, I think that's a uh, that's that's a a promising a promising move by the by the Panthers. Yeah, so we'll we'll uh, we will see. You know, we were talking about this a little while ago, Justin. I want to get your thoughts on this. I mean, uh, just wondering about the you know the the staff that mm-hmm. Hugh Freeze has put together. Offensively, there shouldn't be much shouldn't be much question among anybody on that staff as to you know the plan. Yep. Uh, what Hugh Freeze wants. Yep. Derek Nix has spent uh, you know all, all all of Hugh's time at Ole Miss. Derek mm-hmm. Nix was there. Ken Austin's been with Hugh Freeze for quite a while, and everybody else is is back from last year's offensive staff. Yeah, it, it's interesting. I think there are coaches in college football that innovate and like try to always bring somebody fresh in, somebody new in. It's, that works for some coaches, mm-hmm. and then some coaches have been pretty loyal or have you know stuck to people that they know with or they're familiar with. Last season, it felt like Auburn kind of on offense was kind of between two minds there. And, um, you know, now in year two, Freeze seeing the need to take a step forward on offense, needing to get better, you know, bringing in more guys that he is familiar with, I think makes a ton of sense because, you know, it, the familiarity should be a huge thing. We will see if it works. And I think one of the most interesting things I've heard from Hugh Freeze since he arrived at Auburn, and he's done this countless times. He did it the other day when we were in Mobile, um, talking to you know he'll explain his plan and he'll say this is what we're going to do and he'll be like look I can't guarantee you it's going to work but this is what we feel like is going to be the best way to go about it and it's like again there are pros and cons to every plan but the fact that he is like hey this is what we're going to do we're going to stick with him we'll see we'll see how it goes I to me that is a lot better than a coach who'll just be like hey my way or the highway or you know not you know not even admitting that like things went sideways on him and I think he would be the first to tell you that last season was nowhere yeah. near what they wanted it to be especially on offense this is this is kind of a, a cynical view of what Hugh Freeze is doing but I, but I would wonder I think about Greg Popovich and what he did when the Spurs won the NBA draft and they got to select Tim Duncan and Greg Popovich suddenly decided he wanted to coach the team I do wonder if Hugh Freeze looks at the Auburn offense and says between the players that are in year two in the system at key positions, some continuity on the offensive line, what you bring back at running back, what you introduce at receiver, mm-hmm. there's the chance Auburn can take a jump forward sure. offensively from year one to year two. And if that happens, people will point to all those things, but they'll also say Hugh Freeze rolled his sleeves up and got more involved offensively. The offensive genius that he is, Hugh Freeze, and and, and while he might, while he may be. Uh, he also has the chance to have a significant upgrade at wide receiver 
from last year to this year. Yeah, and I think the offensive line should be a little better. And those well. are and those are two things that could make an offense look better. So, uh, you know, with with a variety of play callers. So I wrote about this earlier this week. Um, if you look at SP Plus and you look at just kind of the projections, you can check all that out at the Observer. You know, kind of went game by game through all of it. One of the things that I that stood out to me is that. If you look at the production that Auburn brings back, and there's a formula that they use to kind of show it, Auburn brings back 74% of their offense from last season. It's top 30 in the country in terms of what they are bringing back on offense. Now, that's not to say all of that is going to be the same way again. There could be a new quarterback. There could be new leading receivers. You might, you know, all of that. But there is some continuity there. And I think continuity mixed with, hey, let's get back to – like. Hugh Freeze was hired. One of the main reasons Hugh Freeze was hired was the fact that people that that the people who were running that sh- that search and made that decision looked at Hugh Freeze's background as a offensive coach and said, "We need that here because this is what we've been missing." And so there's an opportunity now to get back to that. Has and, he, ha- and it's not like you start from scratch. I think that's a bit I think that's a big big key there. Has has he ever I mean, I, I would assume that last year's probably as much of a struggle offensively as Hugh Freeze has had since he's been a head coach. Uh, maybe this first year at Ole Miss was kind of a was 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 something that he had to kind of build up to. But no, I, I think you're I think you're right. This is this that was a year that was such an anomaly. And uh, because I mean, there were a few times we'd be there at the press conferences, and and he was he's like we genuinely like I'm not used to this kind of thing. You know, yeah. Auburn. You listed how much offensive production Auburn brings back. I would I would note. That's also with Javarius Johnson still uncommitted, and in the transfer portal, we'll see what ends up happening there. But it's it's you know it's still we we pointed it out before peculiar how radio silent things have been. There was news of a there was news of a visit to Utah uh-huh. in December. There's been nothing commitment wise, recruiting wise. Uh, it's it's odd to me that someone who's been as productive in his college football career as Javarius Johnson would have. A you know a, with no takers at the you know what I mean yeah. so, we'll, so yeah. we'll see uh, and we don't know what he's look, we don't know what he's looking for so so I think sure. there's also you know the chance that, and the longer he's on campus I think the more you you'd say there's this possibility he could decide to play another year uh, another year at Auburn I mean, I mean heck I, he's not uh, on the roster right now but yeah, if, he, gonna, if he showed up if you showed up next Tuesday I wouldn't be I wouldn't be blown away no find, they'd find I, some, I, they'd, I wouldn't either but if he's, reps for him. but but if he but if he's not working out or practicing this spring. Uh, that's going to make it tougher for him to find wherever. And we don't fall. we don't know. We would um, presumably because he's in the transfer portal, he wouldn't be working out with the team with in any sort team. of organized no, activities. But you'd also imagine if he plans on playing college football next year anywhere, he's he's doing what he can, and he's a veteran who's been through multiple off seasons right. as a college football player. So he probably knows what to do in January and February to be ready to play for spring practice, even if it's not necessarily organized and and with the team. But so th- so there's that note. And then, uh, you know, I, I guess with uh, with the I don't know. We, we were talking about this while, while you were away, uh, Justin, for, for a moment. I I would still think that with with Peyton Thorn, Auburn has a. I mean, his his experience gives him the edge, and I would say a significant edge over the other quarterbacks on the roster right now to be the starter coming out of the spring. To me, the bigger question becomes, can Peyton Thorne do enough to convince Auburn? Like, plan A is Peyton Thorne shows that he can be your starter and you can win in 24 with plan, uh, with, with Peyton Thorne as the quarterback. If that seems shaky after the spring, I wonder if they're going to say, 
we need we need to find someone with a track record as a college football starter who you know in that April 15th to April 30th portal window or or I guess else you know in some other time if, if they decide to be a, a a grad transfer uh but Auburn may need to go fishing if if Peyton Thorne doesn't seem like a like 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 an option they can they can rely on in 24 I, I would I would imagine they're going to go fishing for a, a starter in the in, in that in that second half of April in the portal window. Yeah, I, I, I it's going to be like they don't want to add someone who didn't no. go through spring practice to play quarterback in twenty twenty four for this team. No, I, I don't think so. I don't think that's that's what they want. Now, if they feel like they have to, that could be the case. But I think they're also going to look at it as you go into spring ball here next week with you got Peyton Thorn coming back. And he's not alone. You know, it's not. It is not a guarantee given that hey, you're back here. This is your job. The way things have been said and the, the way things have been kind of presented, it does seem like it could feel like an open, open er challenge than one would expect for a fifth year quarterback coming back. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, well, we'll, we'll see how White, he handles it. I yeah, mean, Walker White coming in. I mean, there's an easy scenario where you look at Auburn in 2024 and say, hey, this team's not going to win a championship probably this year. It's probably not going to contend for one. If you're going to try to build moving forward, if you can build around some, if you can build around a young quarterback, whether that is Peyton Thorne or Hank Brown, or yeah, you know, I was even, say, even you, got, you got to give Hank a longer look now, right? Um, that would make sense on paper. Um, so I mean, it's not without the outside of the realm of possibility. I do think though, like whoever it is, if it's not Peyton Thorne, they're going to have to put on quite a show here in the office. And I, and I don't think we're going to know who Auburn's starting quarterback is until the fall at the earliest. That would be. You know, it, it it would say a lot if they got done to got out at spring practice and say, "Yep, we feel pretty good about this. this is going to be the direction they go." I, I would be surprised if that was yeah, to, the case. To me, the the likeliest scenario for a breakout season from Walker or Holden or Hank Brown, and I don't know even even operating under the assumption. And if I had to guess right now, I would say Peyton Thorne is Auburn's starting quarterback week one, twenty twenty four. I imagine most people following the situation would also handicap it that way now now how how secure is he compared to the other options on the roster or Auburn potentially adding a quarterback and that and that person supplanting him I don't know I think that varies person to person but I would say Peyton Thorne is your favorite right now whoever wins the backup job if Peyton Thorne is the starter if it's Holden if it's Walker if it's Hank to me the likeliest way one of those guys has a breakout season would be Peyton Thorne either gets injured or plays his way out of the starting job during the season to a degree where Auburn says we need to look at this guy and that guy does enough to supplant Peyton Thorne. It feels like it would need to happen. You know what I mean, Bill? It would need to happen during the season rather than it seem, seems less likely that between that he plays, now, plays his way out in the spring between now and August that Hank or Holden or Walker can play their way into the starting job between now and the spring and go into the season. I would think it's more likely Peyton's a starter and then if Peyton yeah, I would say it's more likely. Hurt. I wouldn't say it's impossible, but no, I'd and, say it's more likely. And the fact that you have three options in Holden and Hank and Walker that all are—I mean, they're all—they're all, they're all going to get a look during this. I don't know how how long you can keep a four-man quarterback competition going. So we'll see. You know, when they—hopefully not too long—when when they decide to start. <laughs> Hope you don't have to. Yeah, when they decide to start narrowing things. But at the moment, I—I I mean, I—I I don't know how the. What what do you, what do you think? How, how is. How, how are things? Uh, uh, yeah, at, at at the moment, how how things are going to shake out depth chart wise between between like even if you operate under the assumption Peyton's your starter, 
I don't know how things shake out with Walker, Holden, and Hank. No, no. And I, and if and if all three of those guys are still, if Peyton is the starter, how, if think, all three of those guys are still on the I team. I think there was so much need for improvement on the offensive side of the ball this year, and there is so much new on the defensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. I think all of us should go in with a clean slate kind of approach to what we see in spring ball. And I, coaches are always going to do that. They're going to come in and say, hey, there is no depth chart. We're going to play. Uh, I do think for – fans and for media folks i think it would benefit all of us who who are observing auburn football to look at it the same way as well because i mean there's there's well, a I lot think it, it's going to change i think it'll change a lot daily as we watch during the spring starting tuesday hey we need to get to our first break of the afternoon we are way behind love for you to join in don't forget hour number two of the drive brought to you by the good folks at the orthopedic clinic east alabama's go-to center for orthopedic care with locations in Auburn and Opelika on the web at orthoclinic.com. We're right back with more of the Thursday Drive. Born and raised in Lee County. ESPN 1067. And online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email us at thedrive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive here on this Thursday afternoon. Uh, reminder, in case or in case you missed it, when we uh, said it a little while ago, Auburn basketball practicing late this afternoon. So Dylan Cardwell unable to uh, join us for Tiger Takes this afternoon. Hopefully, we'll be able to get an interview with him or uh, uh, you know ha- have something for you by tomorrow. So uh, again, apologize, but no Tiger Takes. On tap this afternoon, Auburn getting ready for a matchup against the Georgia Bulldogs Saturday afternoon. Uh, I think it's five o'clock tip. I did not hear this on on yesterday's show if it was uh, if it was talked about, but I think it's really cool. Yeah, Jason, and I know he's done it before, but yeah, Jason doing the uh, Jason doing the color this weekend. Yeah, Jason said he's going to fill it. He well, he's done that a few times when uh, when Andy and Brad ha- have to be in different places, and there's uh, and there's nobody that uh, can can do it. Jason obviously knows base. He knows his baseball. So uh, he'll be there, and he's he's always there. It's like Justin traveling with um, all to all the basketball. I don't know that Jason goes to all, but he's pretty. He's a lot of. He's yeah. He's at more than just about anybody else will be covering Auburn. So uh, so yeah, that'll be coming up uh, tomorrow afternoon on Wings ninety four three, and uh, oh, we've got uh, don't forget coming up in a little over a half an hour. We got Tiger Talk coming up tonight on yeah. X ninety four three. Exciting edition with uh, with with all the stuff going on mm-hmm. this weekend. Uh, baseball tournament, uh, basketball returning to action. Coach Jay and her team have uh, I, I forget if they uh, if they play tonight. I know they've got yeah they've they got, play LSU tonight. Yeah, they that's do right. LSU. That's right. They're in Baton Rouge tonight. <laughs> Look, was, oh, looking for that really game. difficult sweep. <laughs> yeah, and that's and that's a uh, an, yeah. an excited LSU fan base after uh, rushing the field last night, following the including the, the team, including the team rushing the court last night after Kentucky's uh, after after beating Kentucky, including Angel. <laughs> they broke into Tiger Stadium. They broke into Tiger, yeah, they <laughs> set the set too far from the P man. Set, set Mike loose. I wonder. Yeah. I guess they wouldn't have a problem if you did that. The SEC wouldn't at least uh, penalize you if you wouldn't rush the football field after a big basketball win. Yeah. Saw they got fined. I, I do. You know, we, we've talked about. The, you know, I I do understand wanting to. Wanting to do whatever you can to make sure that everyone is safe. Yeah, like that. To me, like the safe, the priority on safety. Uh, and if and if something, uh, if if a tragedy happens during a court storming, any time in the future, I feel like the, there's going to be a a lot of 
people sort of hand wringing and saying, <laughs> why, why didn't they do more in the past to, to get uh, rid of it? I don't know if the financial penalties are doing anything. No, they're not. And it's just, you know, there's. I'll say, I'll say, I said, not the point of this discussion, uh, but, uh, but the uh, situa- the the ending last night at Kentucky LSU. If you haven't seen it, you know LSU wins on a putback at yeah. the end. The Rob Dillingham shot to go ahead is one of the most. Oh, I'm glad you're going to the NBA shots I've I've ever Shit, seen. No kidding. He is completely sideways when he when he lets that ball go. It's a lottery pick jumper. Oh, that is it, a lottery incredible. pick jumper. And you it's want like, your kid to be a lottery pick someday, have it be Rob no, Dillingham's size and do that. Yeah, no, it was one of those shots where it was like, there's only a handful of dudes in college basketball who would even think to try that in that situation, and he hit it. And then, obviously, just a crazy finish. I mean, even the Bama-Florida game last night, a crucial oh, it was. play down the stretch off of a really weird bounce off the off the – off the backboard for for an offensive for a second chance but but Bruce talked about that uh, today he said you know watch last night two those two games come down to second chance opportunities mm-hmm. those second shots and talking about the importance of those on defense but also converting them on offense it's like the the Bama bounce was crazy but the LSU one I I wasn't watching it but people would say like hey LSU just won on a buzzer beater and I just thought hey guy goes down on the floor hits the last shot it couldn't have gone any more differently than that it was utter chaos and they were able to 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 you know, find it to go. Hey, some uh, breaking news. Uh, Nicole Auerbach tweeting that college football's early signing period is expected to move earlier in December ahead of the opening of the transfer portal. It would begin the Wednesday before conference title games. So they'll move it up just before the transfer portal. And, but she, I'm more intrigued by the next line, which said leaders are also looking at adding a summer signing period. I mean, so would you have three possibly then? Uh, a summer, December, and February? I don't know. Um, we, we, we spent a good deal of time talking about that <laughs> yesterday with, with, with Jason, and we'll, we'll, we'll get into that um, in the final half hour. Now, how does it work now with the, with the early signing period? If you don't sign before a certain day, you have to the wait The early until- signing period has only been three days. It has started... In December, it has started Wednesday and run through Friday, and that's it. So it looks like if, if, it, is, if it is moving, it's going to move to the Wednesday, Thursday, Friday before conference championship How games. would you feel about a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday the week before the season or two weeks before the season? Well, we, we talked about that. Boy, Jason yesterday but also really the... felt strongly against that. He had used to, he had used to talk about that. He said, and what I've mentioned, Jason said he'd heard more and more coaches say it's going to happen. They're going to be. It's not going to be like basketball. It's not. They're, they're going to be players, top players. He, he Jason's concerned that ten of the top fifty players may just opt out of their senior seasons if they could sign before the senior season before that season started. And the risk of injury is real, right? You don't want to go into, especially if you're, you're more in, concerned about it in football than you and, are. In, in basketball and, or baseball. And, and it's yes. not a, it's not a, and people would say, well, you got a year until next season starts. The kind of players we're talking about yeah. are most likely early enrollees, and they're players who need to be healthy in January. Mm-hmm. And if you want to guarantee that you're in top condition in January, maybe you're either on a real, either you're on a real strict pitch limit in September and October and November as far as how you're used, or maybe you're just opting out entirely. Yeah, so that is uh, really, really interesting. But it looks like the most the the first thing that's going to happen. It did need to everything needed to move away from around Christmas at least. This would 
move things back for for players. The other thing that that Jason said yesterday, and and Justin, I'll get we'll get your thoughts on this after the break. All right. um, uh, Jason said he felt that players should not be able to sign in the early signing period if they can't enroll early. That why like should that. why should like players that. be signing in December if they're not going to be enrolling until spring? I like that idea. Yeah. yeah. Like going ahead and locking in, I think, is important. But, yeah, if you're a kid that knows that you're not going to be in school until the summer – and you I think, sign. You sign in the I later think, signing I think it's period. All, yeah, I think that's. I think that's good for everybody there. The, I think the kid can have more time to make a. You know, because they're allowed more time to to make that big decision, and I think also does better for your roster management and just kind of mm-hmm. sorting stuff out from the from the player side. All right, we'll get to our bottom of the hour break. Come on in and join us. 334-321-1390. That's the Drive Hotline, sponsored by Skybar, or you can text us on the Drive text box. Three three four five six four eighteen forty. I'm sorry, I'm just used to having to do it, having to say both of them, Dan. You can you can mention who the sponsor you is know, and South, what else they Southeastern do. Southeastern Industrial Contractors. Shout out to Derek and and everybody there at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. But they also sponsor the podcast. Available however you listen to podcasts. We're right back with more here for the final half hour of the Thursday Drive. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390, toll-free at 888-382-7502, or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive. Final 20 minutes or so here on this Thursday, and uh, we've got calls holding, and we'll get right to the phone, and Tex is up first. Hey, Tex. Hey, guys. Hey, welcome back, Dan. Hey, Tex. Hey, were you riding in the back of the bus back and forth to Arkansas, where all the all the fumes come up through the back? No, 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 no. I, I, I uh, I'm, I'm in that. I'm. Oh, he is lining you up right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. I know afraid. he is. He's mad at me, but, but I'm. No, I, I sit in the front. By the, you know, I'm, I'm, I keep, I'm confused. What did I do wrong? <laughs> oh well, you got a basketball team storming a field and football players on a pitch count. So well, that no, but pitch, pitch, okay. to be, pitch, pitch count has been accepted as a, as sort of an, a catch-all for like even you know NBA players and stuff. I uh, storm of the field is me at my worst. Uh, you got you got me on well, that one. No, but I, I think the, uh, I thought you know what I thought was going to happen, Tex. I thought you were going to crush me for seeming like I was making a case for. Oh yeah, this is why a kid should skip his senior season. In a sport, because I'm not for that. I don't want an environment where no, kids, I don't think anybody kids opt out of their senior years, but I can understand why if you can sign someone in August and you're a coach, maybe you're pressuring a kid to, yeah, you need to be totally healthy in January when you enroll early. Yeah, well, I uh, how many early enrollees? Well, number one, Dan, I'm yanking your chain. I know you number are. Two, I know you, you are, Tex. I'm so confused, I couldn't have followed that <laughs> other point you just made. So... Uh, <laughs> I'm still picturing them running from uh, the Maravich Center into Tiger <laughs> Stadium, which is not very far. I, I think running down it. the field to celebrate. <laughs> By the way, I, I don't root for LSU much, but I was rooting for them last night. Oh, I yeah. wanted them to beat Kentucky, and it couldn't have happened in a better way. So, anyway, uh, how many players – maybe y'all can help me. My real question is, how many players who are early enrollees skip their senior season? Very rarely, uh, you, right? You, you hardly ever see that. 
And we were okay, talking. Why would it happen if they signed? In well, August? what That's Jason what, what Jason said yesterday. He's he's mentioned this to me a couple of times. He feels strongly that there would be college coaches encouraging them to do so. Hmm. See, because now they don't have the opportunity. They can't, they can't sign until December. And I think so they've already finished their to, senior to season avoid, by then. To avoid right. the risk of suffering an injury that would make them unavailable in, in January, I think would be to continue like sort of the, the line of logic and, 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 with that point. And I guess it would just be, we were talking about it during the break, like basketball, it is a contact sport, uh, but, it, you know, your your injury risk is definitely greater. Yeah, in the injury so, rate is yeah. much lower. So I guess that's where the thought process. But my my thing is is doing the early signing. It reminds me so much of basketball. Just go ahead. Go Every ahead and other sport away. has that yes. signing. Yes. Uh, you know, there's a signing period before your season. Yep. So my son signed in December. Yeah. And played his senior season of both basketball and baseball. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's yeah. what I mean. I Football's know. the only one that doesn't allow that. Yeah, I, I I wish that they would do a football in the summer after the camp circuit, mm-hmm. play the season, and if you can graduate, you show up in January, and then the December being limited to the quote-unquote Olympic sports that actually take place a little later in the year. Uh, I don't – either that or let's just go back to one signing period. Yeah. It's just – it's kind of hard to keep up with, number one. It's kind of like not knowing whether basketball is played on a grass field or on a court. <laughs> uh, it's very difficult to keep up with. So I don't know why we need more than one. Yeah. I, well, really well, it looks like there's still going to be two. Uh, Ross Dellinger adding uh, a little more information. Uh, he tweets that SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey says that the league is uh, – the SEC was uh, the, the originator of this plan to make – December, a dead period, and move the early signing period to the Wednesday ahead of conference championship weekend. So that's going to basically mean the last Wednesday in November. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess that's when it would be. Uh, So Thanksgiving a lot of times? That's weird. Oh, so, yeah, that's that's good. So, yeah. That's a strange period. Uh, They're trying to get it out of the transfer portal and preparation for the playoffs is what they're trying to do. Yeah. All right. So uh, my other question is, we hear this, what, what's about to take place. LSU is going to Houston and playing a tournament. Right. Technically, it's not really a tournament. It's, just, it's that so that the SEC allows you to go play those. I mean, the uh, NCAA allows you to go play those games. So it's, it's, it's not a tournament. It's not. Sort of like a round. Well, Auburn's going. It's not it's a tournament. A Auburn's, it's a round robin. Yeah. Right, it's around Robin in Houston too, so it's yeah, it's it's great. I can't wait for it. I'm I'm excited. I, I have seats for all six games, and it's really going to be fun to sit and watch. Uh, if if my co-traveler will allow me to sit here that long, <laughs> she'll allow me to sit through the Auburn game. I don't know about the other ones, but uh, looking forward to that. Uh, first time we made that kind of trip to that kind of event uh, in, instead of a regional or something like that. Uh, the other thing is, uh, so I heard you talking basketball a little bit. Just go over what you think if two is not back in the lineup or able to play until the tournament, what does it look like for us till we get to the, the SEC tournament? And uh, I appreciate it. I'll talk to you all when we get back from Jacksonville. All right, have a good trip, Tex. Oh, hey, hey Tex, are you going to be at the Auburn Air Force baseball game? 
Uh, I think it's midweek. Which, which it's mid, it? mid midweek, beginning of March, right? I think it's about a week from. Uh, is it? Is uh, it? Actually, no. I'll be in Washington D.C. Okay. Uh, uh, we, we may we may need to check because I got uh, I, I got okay. some some I got some Air Force adjacent folks that want to see uh, want to want to uh, see want to see under, some baseball I that night. That and we can work we can work that out. That's right. not a problem. Cool. Let's talk. Yeah. All right. See, see you soon. All right. Take care. Yeah. To answer Texas' question, I I think I think you're gonna see a lot more Cheney Johnson. Um, I think you're gonna see a mix and match of strategies uh, to car, to to make up for it because as we were talking about earlier, like. Chaney Johnson, defensively, rebounding-wise, can give you a lot, if not more, in some areas of what Jalen's got. It's just the scoring. Um, so I would expect to see more Chad Becker-Mazzara taking on that role of mm-hmm. being that secondary playmaker, shooter, you know, more of a go-to focal point with this offense um, in the in the you know in the interim. Um, and I also would say you're probably going to see some fun lineups like we've seen. Uh, the Denver Jones at the one uh, scenario at times, I think you can move him around at different spots. A three guard lineup, Auburn's experimented with that some to kind of make up for it. How, how does know, go cr- small how does, ball, and then also uh, I would think that could be a possibility. You see Janai Broom moonlight a little bit at the four, using the the fact that he has uh, you know been such a good uh, perimeter weapon for him. This how, how does Chris profile as a Jalen replacement? Jyd, I would say I would say the dog is. Again, kind of like Shaney, you're going to get rebounding. You're going to get defense. You're going to get hustle. It's the scoring, right? And and and, and Chris Moore is just – he has not been a, much of a scoring threat this year for Auburn. And Chaney hasn't had to been asked to do that either, although I would say Chaney's had some games where yeah, he he'll make some good plays and some moments. So Chris Moore has played four, the four in his career. I think that is going to be something you will see him do. You may see a little bit more Chris Moore minutes. I think you're going to see more Chaney Johnson minutes. I think, though, if Auburn is going to make it through without Jalen Williams at the four, however long that is, you're going to need to see the three and the five really step up on offense because I think Auburn is going to be built rebounding and defensively to fill in for what Jalen provides, and he provides a lot. But I think they're replacing it, – it's the offense, but – Again, like yeah, we were offense about may need to come from a different spot than where the defense and rebound. The guards are going to have to step up for sure, yeah. obviously, to help that out. But again, it's what we were saying earlier: a guy like Chaney Johnson, even a guy like Chad Baker Mazzara. You're talking about a dude who was playing D two ball last year, another dude who was playing JUCO ball last year. Compared to the production of a guy who's in the fifth year of his system and is one of the best scoring big men in the country, like it's hard to make that up. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to have to be a, a team effort. So. To answer Texas' question a little bit more specifically, I think they're going to have to see mixing and matching, and I think a lot of I think it's going to be very much a matchup based thing. All right, we need to get to our final break. The uh, some interesting information from uh, uh, Ross Dellinger's Yahoo story, comments from Greg Sankey about the signing period and the transfer portal and portal windows, and what the SEC would like to see and what the SEC likes. They usually get. I thought you were also going to, and, and I think that we also have, and I know we're up against a break, but the story about the uh, number of teams in the postseason being negotiated again in college football. That's, well, I, I think that, I, yeah, that, that's that's crazy. That's but TV, I mean, that's I'll, TV networks saying more playoff games. Go is, ahead and go to 16, is, I said is, yesterday. Yeah, if I mean, you want the, more than 12, go ahead and go to 16. Think, we're going to be 12 this year. I think year, that though. number is going to keep growing and oh, yeah. growing and growing, and I don't think we're going to get to 64. Uh, but I think that number is going to keep getting bigger. All right, we need to get to our final break. Uh, Jerry. Jerry, hang on. You're, you're up when we come back here on the Thursday Drive. 
I'm Jessica Samuel. 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in. Final segment of The Drive here on this Thursday. And before we get to Jerry, wanted to hit a couple of the highlights from the from the story Ross Dellinger has up on, on Yahoo.com um, where he's uh, uh, talking about uh, they, they had an interview with Greg Sankey. And Greg Sankey um, said that they he would the SEC would like the entire month of December to be a dead period for recruiting. And there would be a signing period that first Wednesday in December, which is the Wednesday before signing day. So there'd be a, a signing period then. Move the signing day from around the 20th of December up to the first Wednesday in December. But he also would like the transfer portal gone, that, dis, that transfer portal at the end of the regular season. And that's that's going to be very difficult, I would think, for anyone who Lead would... Lead balloon, Bill. Yeah. That, that I mean, ain't going to fly. I mean, that would prohibit anyone from going through spring practice with a different school. Yeah, no way. I, I think that... Uh, and and that, look, there are inherently problems with navigating the portal while the college football postseason is happening. Right. Like, I understand that that puts teams in tough spots. And then players who are on playoff teams who are eliminated have to scramble or they have a very limited time to make their decision. They're, they're a problem. The The problem is there's really no, I mean, we're just talking about during the commercial break. If you can crown a national champion by January 1st and have a 10-day window uh, there to, to, you know, it puts everybody on relatively equal footing. It's just, I don't think there's any appetite from the TV networks or from college football itself to have, we'll, we'll see what the 14 team or the 12 team or the 14 team thing looks like, but I don't think there's any appetite to have the postseason going on throughout the month of December, concluding no. January 1st. Sounds like they want this to be a January television event. Right. I agree. I agree. Yeah, yeah because right now, I mean, this first year, this next year, it's going to be January 20th before it wraps up. All right. All right. We, it'll, we, go, it'll go into the like, That's like the NFL playoffs. It'll go into yeah. the Yeah. It'll go into the NCAA tournament pretty soon. Oh, it'll, it'll be yeah, I mean, if they expand the I mean, that's the, there are just no simple answers to this. This is a mess. And uh, we that's, will see. That's like uh, halfway through basketball conference play. Is you're going to crown your national yeah. champion in college? I don't know. That's, that's right. That seems that seems like uh, like like and and just just wait until just wait until they add a round or two. Oh, they to will. This thing they will. They will. You know, they will. I'm look. I'm I'm starting to. Think, like, how, how close are we to ten game college football regular season sixty four team playoff? Because that's what the TV networks decide. Like, look, oh, you're gonna right now. You've got a. You'll have a. You've got a possibility of a seventeen game, seventeen game season this year. If somebody that is, that that doesn't get a first round by makes it to the championship game, they will have played seventeen, 17 games. Yeah. So I'm, I'm wondering if you, you know if, if you start trimming games off the regular season at that you point. If you if you start you yeah to. if you start I mean. I mean, this my, is why, my, this, Mike Leach was a proponent of a 64-team college football playoff. He is, said there was no reason you couldn't do it if you do it at hey, every other make, level. Make the bowls interesting. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm going back. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep re-upping my Champions League plan for for college. We 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 fix college football by making smaller schedules, smaller conferences. Let's go back to true round robins. Let's make everything and then have it feed into a system that that makes sense and is balanced instead of this whole thing where it's like, well. 
one conference has 18 teams the other one has 16 teams that champion will get in but that one also will get in but then the other conference that doesn't have nearly as many and teams and while they're doing so. it we've got players coming and going and, and we got to pick six and we got to sign teams. some all, too if we're all advocating for our plans i think that maybe four was the right number for the college football playoff and i also want a eight or 16 team group of five playoff with the winner oh, of yeah, that I, being I, a national I, champion i'm, I'm all with you there five with eight because i don't think i don't think we're anywhere closer to a group of five team Justin winning the national championship. Justin, uh, let let everybody yeah. know about the Observer. What all yeah. you got going? Observer.com, check it out. Uh, mailbag ran today, tomorrow. Uh, Dan and I are actually about to go record this. Uh, we're going to talk with our buddy Jordan Hill of Dogs 247. We're going to preview Auburn, Georgia. Is he, uh, is the honeymoon's over? The honeymoon's over. He's, oh, wow. He came back today. Okay. He came back today and was like, yeah, well, I'll, I'll do a podcast. That's so. usually a sad thing to say. Actually, the honeymoon's he suggest- over. But- he suggested it, too. That was oh, a crazy okay, thing. We're, cool. we're not holding him hostage or anything, but a ton of basketball and football stuff this week. Next week's going to be crazy busy. We'll be in Tennessee, start a spring ball, ton of stuff. AuburnObserver.com, sign up there. Dan, uh, you're headed down You're headed down south tomorrow? I, I'm, I'm headed to Mobile. I'll talk to you guys soon. All right, have a good weekend. Back with you tomorrow. Have a good one, everybody. We're out of here.